Welcome to Rich Conversations. Today we are joined from Manila in the Philippines by physicist Gino Aliperio. And today in this episode, we discuss his life and career path beginning in his country and then learning in others. He's traveled abroad quite a bit and it's, he's got some great photos on Instagram. Uh, he's a former physics professor and now he works for the government's nuclear agency. A question I have, something I'm curious about is like, what is the outlook for nuclear energy? And Gino shares with us how the stigma of nuclear emphasized through certain events and stories have clouded the fact that nuclear energy actually delivers the most amount of energy for the least amount of material. Something to really think about. He shares about how his travels abroad have influenced his perspective and what he's curious about recently. He has some fantastic photos on Instagram. I was scrolling through them. I'm like, I definitely want to talk to this person. Uh, very interesting conversation. Very uh, insightful and thoughtful. Really appreciate it. A lot of fun. Excited to share it. You can follow him on Instagram at MarkGino21. All right, let's begin. Welcome to Rich Conversations. Uh, This is going to be another fantastic episode. We are talking to Gino, who's all the way in Manila, from the Philippines right now. Thanks for coming on. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm really excited to share um, what I have to basically share, like my um, experiences and yeah, and anything under the sun. You, so again, I thank you like, for inviting me. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. I feel like you have a lot to talk about. You, you, yeah. You're a, a pretty <laughs> interesting person, it seems like. Um, you have traveled quite quite a range of places within asia and you've also uh have studied physics <laughs> physics <Yeah>. and <laughs> you were a professor for physics and now you're working for uh the nuclear agency within the government of the philippines mm-hmm. right yes wow so if i'm not um um if i'm right about it i've been to more than 20 countries um, around Asia, wow. but mostly around Southeast Asia, uh, around in the yeah. region. But uh, as I've mentioned, the farthest country I've been to is um, Qatar, but only for a few hours, and Turkey, and as well as Azerbaijan. But mostly all of my travels are in Asia, and one reason is that it's near, the flights are inexpensive, and it's visa-free for us. <laughs> well, it's visa-free. Yeah, it's visa-free. Interesting. So you've, oh, wow. So I didn't even know you went to, is it Qatar or Qatar? Yeah, Qatar. 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 In the Middle East. Wow. What was That's that like? Only, um, I, ha- I haven't been to outside of um, the airport, but um, after we took flight, I've just, uh, I saw this, um, this bird's eye view of the city and it's really beautiful. What's yeah, the airport it- like? It's it's quite big. Like um, we landed somewhere in the open area, and it took us around thirty minutes um, from that spot going to the airport. So imagine how big that airport is. Of all, okay. So you've been to. Uh, if you look at Gino's Instagram, he's got these beautiful photos from all over, especially Southeast Asia, yeah. 
um, you've been to Singapore. How does it compare to Singapore's airport? Um, I haven't uh, explored Singapore because when I uh, the uh, Singapore's airport because when I um, traveled to Singapore, it was already midnight. So, oh, um, yeah. yeah, just right after we landed, we just um, go directly to our hotel and yeah, no time. Yeah, to you're Singapore. not you're not interested in exploring a. The like jungle within the airport or the movie no, theaters. Or the- <laughs> I didn't. We didn't had the time, and actually, um, I only used uh, Singapore Airport once when we landed, yeah. and because um, um, I then traveled to Malaysia after that. So, yeah. so okay. I flew from another airport going back to my country. Okay, so you've been to, uh, Malaysia, mm-hmm. South Korea. Yeah, I studied in Korea for yeah. two years. Wow. So what did you study? Um, in my undergraduate, I studied physics. And I'm um, also in graduate study in physics here in um, the Philippines. It's located, uh, the university is in Mindanao. It's in the southernmost um, region of the country. So it's a rural area. Okay. And yeah, then after that, I um, did an a teaching job in physics, also in a local university in our hometown. Then I just came across this opportunity to study in in Korea. So I said, why not? Like, I just tried my luck. I applied for it and I got accepted. And yeah. Awesome. And things happen. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. basically, um, the, the good thing is that I studied in Korea Um uh, with a scholarship so I really didn't um, spend um, anything on that so I was just very grateful for that opportunity yeah. um, not only for studying in Korea but also for living in Korea you know Korea is a really beautiful country very diverse and the culture is very rich and yeah very urbanized and just the way of life there is very efficient and convenient for all so you you've been You've been around the continent quite a bit. Let's kind of back up here. And um, so you're from the Philippines, but you had mentioned you're in like a a rural part of the Philippines and you've only been living in Manila for a few months, right? Yes, for three months, I guess. I just moved here last December. So so this would be my fourth month. (laughs) So what would you say? So what are people like? from where you're from it's uh remind me again when you put it in the chat okay so actually south in my Kabata, uh, yeah right? in, in the south yeah in, in south yeah. Kabata, that is my whole province i literally grew up there for the um, rest of my life um it's a it's a rural area when um especially our town is known for rice fields or rice paddies okay so the basic um um, way of living of people there are, are through farming like rice corn and root crops and okay. and actually people there are um, because we have this um, setup in which people living in rural areas are usually underprivileged we don't have that uh, much resources to good edu- to quality education and to quality like we are um, if you were uh, working in rural areas, you probably just paid um, um, below, even below the minimum 
um, wage set by the government. So it's kind of underwhelming, but I but the way of life there is quite different. It's more um, relaxed, unlike um, living in a city in which everything is fast-paced. It's like um, you are running on a clock. But yeah, I think uh, if I have to choose... Um, there is a certain part of me that wants to settle down in a rural area just because okay. of the quality of life. Like everything there is like you have nature. Uh, you don't have to stress around um, any, um, anything. It's like no traffic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you have really good view. If you just want to go to the beach, you can just drive like 30 minutes or one hour and you have these beautiful beaches, wow. beautiful rivers, beautiful mountains. And it's quite difficult to, to do that here in, um, in, uh, in Manila, which uh, okay. I think most is, uh, you know, Manila is very urbanized. Yeah. Um, highly urbanized city and, and highly densely populated city. So it's really quite a big change for me to, um, from living in a rural life in which everything is um, um, relaxed and simple mm-hmm. and transitioning into living in Manila in which yeah everything here is um, moving fast-paced. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. What what then inspired you to pursue pursue the path that you, you chose and that you're on right now? Yeah. So actually, um I, I forgot um uh, to mention also because when I was uh, when I graduated in 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 university after I graduated, there also um I actually got um offers, not really offers, but I saw some job posting in which you will be working in Manila and I'm very hesitant about it before. I've been to Manila quite sometimes where if I yeah. attended some like conferences, but I've only been here like for a few days uh, a week. Almost. And every time I go to Manila, usually in my second or third day here, I usually tell myself that I really want to go home. Yeah, because like everything here is it's really it's really different. Like, and I also imagine myself I would not survive in Manila because of the traffic, the population, uh, you know, pollution and yeah. some like reports on crime and everything that can that can really happen to you. So I'm very hesitant about it. But when I tried living in Korea, it was also a very um a highly urbanized city in Ulsan and in Busan. Okay. And I think living in a highly urbanized city is not a bad idea at all. So, yeah, I just really challenged myself. And when this opportunity of working here in Manila came, mm-hmm. I just took it as a challenge. So, yeah, I was, I was just able to adapt um, living here uh, right now. So, um, I studied you know, physics is not really a usual um, graduate um, degree that someone could could take. I'm not. I'm not really a smart person. I'm just an a- average person during my high school and university days, and just a mediocre student. So when my parents, when I graduated high school, my parents asked me, uh, "What do you want? Um, uh, what course do you want to take in college, or what degree?" And I actually living in 
in a rural area. I just have really small dreams of myself. I just want to work in a restaurant, <laughs> like um, chef or cook or waiter something, or maybe work in hotels like that. And that, as a kid, that really amazes me. So when I told them, yeah, I, I wanted to work in a restaurant, and they said, no, you know, it's just a, um, a typical joke uh, that we usually say that Asian parents have really high standards for their kids. Like I've, I've heard uh, that, yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, as an Asian, you only have three choices. You can be a doctor, you can be an engineer, or you can be a disappointment. You know? <laughs> that's, that's what they, they usually say. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That, yeah, I mean, I mean that's, that's the typical Asian parents. And yeah. Yeah, so they sometimes um, expected more. Um, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, they really set these high expectations on their children. So when I said that I, I just wanted to work in a restaurant, maybe just, just be a chef or mm-hmm. a cook because that's what I love to do. And they said no. And I asked them, what do you want me to study? And they, they said, uh, we want you to be a doctor. So, yeah, so they really pushed me. So I have to take a course on science. I was yeah. about to take uh, biology because they wanted me to be a medical doctor. But uh, when I went to the university, like the slots for biology is already full because as, okay. as what I've been saying, yeah. Most yeah. <laughs> parents want their kids to be doctor. <laughs> I was late um, when I went uh, to the university for enrollment, and there was this course I haven't heard, not really heard about this one about like physics. Okay. And they said like we only have we only have like three students enrolled in this course, so like no one is taking that course. So so I have to take physics just for me to get into university, not really for the reason of studying it but for me just to get into that university and probably my plan was to um, after one semester I'll shift into biology and continue mm-hmm. and after that I'll, I'll study medicine but after a semester of studying physics um, I actually kind of liked it and because I get already close with the people with my classmates so yeah I so and I think that I have to to change courses, I did not do it because yeah, I was already close with my classmates, and yeah, physics is actually fun but boring at the same time. <laughs> Elaborate on that. Um, um, one reason is that I did not take courses in arts or social sciences and languages because for me, I'm not really good. Uh, um, in English, my sentence structure is not good, like my grammar. I, I'm just a mediocre student um, in my English class, like um, just an average grade. So when I think about physics, it's more on calculations, solving equations and problems. Okay. And I think you don't have to construct sentences in that. Yeah, It's just numbers and letters. So I think, yeah, that's actually fun. Yeah, I, I don't have to write long essays, long paragraphs, like three pages of explanations to explain. So yeah, just and I just kind of get into just writing, playing with numbers and letters. So if I have to choose again, I um I'm more inclined in solving equations 
than writing essays. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you're studying physics. What then? So you're studying physics and you go to school in South Korea, right? Yeah. So what is, what does the timeline look like when, so while you're, you're studying physics and you're learning about that science, what does the timeline look like and how are you finding time to then like travel all over the place and explore? Okay. So I studied um, my, um, my master's in physics 10 years ago in, in 2012. And on my second year, um, we, uh, no, it was on my first year of study, we have this call for applications for a student's exchange program in India. Uh, hosted by our national government. So I just like applied, tried my luck again. And I was really lucky to be um, able, uh, uh, that I was accepted like one of the 25 um, students all over the country okay. who were sent to, to experience India for an exchange program. It was um, two weeks, uh, a two week program and that was actually my first travel outside of, uh, of the Philippines. So okay. it was really um, um, my first time um, exploring a new territory, meeting uh, people from, you know, with, with different culture and different yeah. race and different language. Yeah, in the um, students exchange program, um, it's, an exchange program between India and the 10 ASEAN countries. So I was also able to meet uh, new people and make friends um, from, uh, from people for, uh, with people from those countries. So it was only a short program, like two weeks, and we were kind of hectic. We went to, I think, four cities in two weeks. So we have to travel. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we stayed in one city for three days, and the next day we had to fly to fly out and move to to another city. And when I made like meet other people from, let's say, Thailand, Cambodia, um, they they kept saying that, oh, after this one, you should visit our country as well. We have yeah. um we have beautiful places in this in our country. So I've kind of made network um from people within uh within those country. And after that, when I graduated, I worked as a professor. So every semester break or every break that we have, I've, yeah, that's when I make time to travel to other countries. So like after I graduated um, on a summer break, me and my friends also went to Brunei. And the friends we made from Brunei, they kind of hosted us. So, wow. and they, they showed us around. And I think that's uh, one good thing um, of making networks um, with people from other countries is, is that you have um, someone you can really trust in when, you, when, you visit, uh, when you visit their place and they know uh, more about of their country. So they can show you really authentic um, local experiences that you want to try. So yeah. especially me, I like I really like eating um, local foods. So yeah, they actually know where to 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 show to bring us uh, like this restaurant serves the best uh, dish. So you, you should try this one. Yeah. 
So every time I travel, I don't really eat in McDonald's or KFC or <laughs> any fast food. I really go to their authentic restaurants and um, street foods to really have a taste of their culture. Wow. So, so this is, uh, this is like every semester that you're, you're traveling then? Yeah, actually the started, yeah, started and starting in 2012, I, every year I do, I, I make it a pledge to, to, to travel outside of the country, but it was just during the pandemic <laughs> when the, my, um, my streak on traveling countries every year, um, was cut like in yeah. 2020 yeah. i was um supposed to go to um this uh, kota kinabalu in malaysia as well as brunei but yeah, yeah since then i was not able to go out of the country so that's really not fun <laughs> yeah i'm sure a lot of people's streaks ended yeah with covid um what have what have been some of your favorite traveling experiences Oh, the first country I've been to, and that is India. It's not only because it's the first country I've been to, but when um, the food is really, like for me, I don't really like eating spicy food. Yeah. But the yeah, Indian food is really spicy. But it's not about the, the uh, it's just about their, their culture showing actually in their food. It's like when you go to different places, they have this different um, flavors of food and it's just their culture is very rich you can really um, see this um, very uh, this cool architectures and one thing that amazes me is when I saw the Taj Mahal and okay. yeah like one thing um, happened to me there is like I was just sitting on a certain spot and just looking at it and I was just like in awestruck because it looks like I've I uh, I was just looking at uh I was just looking at um uh, like a real picture of it. Yeah. So it's like I could I couldn't imagine like I only uh, saw this in books in postcards, but for me seeing uh being able to see it firsthand is just really and just just an amazing experience. And yeah, if I have to choose that place would would really still be one of my favorite places. If wow. if given a chance, I would really visit Taj Mahal again. Huh. What what are some other uh, great spots in India that you enjoyed? Oh, we went to this. Um, so we went to four cities, I guess, in Delhi, in okay. Jaipur. They call this this pink city. So in which most of their um, architectures there are color. Uh, it's pink because I think mm. they they kind of related. Uh, attributed their this to their sand because their sand is kind of reddish in color and okay. we went to mumbai that was the second place we went uh, mumbai is very populated city and we are all we're, we're always stuck in traffic <laughs> and you know mumbai is they call it this the, the bollywood um, capital of, of of india so yeah yeah well, so what's mumbai without bollywood and we were just able lucky to see we were just cruising um, on the roads of Mumbai and we were able to see like um, I think it was a movie uh, movie uh, set and there were just a, a lot of crowd of people around it wow yeah Mumbai Jaipur and the capital of course in, in Delhi New Delhi 
Okay. How would you describe the difference between uh, Delhi and Mumbai? Uh, Delhi is quite cold. We went there, I think it was December, so around 7 degrees Celsius. And Mumbai is really okay. hot. So <laughs> it's okay. very humid. Yeah. So Mumbai, is still, it's like in, it's more in the tropic climate and then mountainous yeah, yeah. in Delhi. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Delhi is kind of in the north part of India. Okay. What do you, what do you like? Like when you're traveling somewhere, what is kind of the standard of like what what you do? Do you have like patterns when you travel of what you want to see, how you want to get around, how, how you want to experience things? Okay. So some of my travels, uh, those are official travels like students exchange or when, when I attended conference. Some of my travels as well, I've... Um, it's just like recreational travel with friends. But there are also travels in which I do uh, like solo solo trip, just bring my, my backpack with me and explore the areas. But before every travel I do, I really uh, prepare and research things where I want to visit. I actually okay. like draft my itinerary and like set up budget for every places that I've... Uh, that I, that I wanted to visit because I think um, that's also a really good thing to prepare in traveling. So you don't, you can prepare for whatever, uh, for whatever thing that could happen to you. You can, yeah, you, I know there are actually risks in, in traveling, not only for your safety. Um, you have, you may run out of budget, you may run out of time, but being organized and making a list actually um, helps that and reduces your um, your stress, <laughs> I yeah. guess, when you actually um, reach that country. So what I usually do, I really research the place. You know, when I travel, you don't have um, the liberty of uh, of time that you, you you say you can visit everything because you you are also on a tight um, schedule and also you are also um, on a budget. So I'm really just looking at places where um, um, think, uh, places where it actually excites me. So I spend uh, more of my time on those experiences. Okay. And, and on my itinerary, I always um, search for places where you, really, you can really try um, eating authentic foods, like just night market, in which you can just spend a dollar or two and you will be um, already um, full. So... Um, yeah, just I'm just searching for local restaurants, really, and not on on big fast food um, fast food chains. Yeah, that kind of goes uh, for life too. It's like the more mm-hmm. organized and prepared you are, the smoother things will probably go. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you like? Um, I notice a lot of photos of like temples, mm. you know, or like palaces, or like really interesting architecture is that something you you always kind of have on your itinerary or list yeah yeah i think because uh, like architecture or temples it's just it's one of the identity of the country that you are um that you are you are visiting it's not only as, as i mentioned it's not only the food but also the places what makes that what defines um that place or what makes that that country iconic for example when you say um, Paris, France, you you think of the Eiffel Tower. So, mm-hmm. the architecture is really um, one way of 
of immersing into their culture and also one way for me um, to somehow experience and their culture. For example, because um, in when I went to, uh, for example, in Cambodia, in Thailand, you might see, you might think that those temples, they just literally look the same, but they are not. And they are rich history and background um, about those uh, temples, which really makes it um, very um, interesting. So, yeah, so every time I travel, I really um, make sure to put on the list on seeing our unique architectures that that can only be found um, in their country. So, because that makes their country iconic. For example, when I went to Thailand, I make sure that I visit this Taipei 101 and um, went to their uh, to their observatory. Observatory. Um, I think it was not really on the on the rooftop. So it's just one way of of experiencing um, their country, really. Yeah, I'm looking at these photos, and they are. They're similar, but they're quite strikingly different. Yeah, yeah. Is there one that stands out to you most? Um, I could not think <laughs> of of one specifically because every, I think every um, temples or these buildings that I've went to are really different in nature. Yeah. They are just unique in their own uh, in their own sense. So I could not really um, choose, but. Yeah. Yeah, for example, like for example, in Thailand or in Myanmar, you can really see um, very beautiful temples, and they are very unique in their own each way. Yeah. Oh man, that's cool. You've gone to a lot of places. I would I would love to go yeah. to. Is there a, is there a place where you you like the food the best? Oh, Vietnam. <laughs> Vietnam. Vietnam. I've been to Vietnam, and yeah. the food there was great. It's really great. Um, Thailand food, um, uh, Thai food is also is also good. But like for me personally, I don't like eating spicy food. Yeah. And yeah, most of their dishes are are spicy. It's like they put chilies on everything, yeah. just like in India or in Malaysia. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Vietnamese food is really good. Yeah, Vietnam's got great food. Mm-hmm. Um, well, shifting gears a little bit here. Uh, well, actually, no, one more question on this. Yeah. What have you learned most about the continent by traveling? And what have you learned about yourself through doing it? Okay, so I think, um, um, how can I say this one? Uh, maybe um, one um, thing that I've, I'm also looking forward every time I travel is to meet um, people. So every time I travel, I meet people with different language, from different countries, from having different beliefs, religion. Just just people from um, having different uh, in different walks of life, and uh, of all experiences and all the things that I've learned from them is that meeting people from different countries or traveling as a whole is, is a very humbling um, experience. So you, it's really widened my perspective that the world is so huge and yeah, it makes me like feel really small about myself. No, and it's not a bad thing, uh, feeling small about yourself. It's just really a humbling experience. 
that you are not um, above or greater than anybody. It's like you are just on the same um, playing field. So I think um, traveling around Asia or traveling as a whole is very a humbling experience and very empowering experience. I get to know myself better. I learned a lot of life skills, being independent. Um, I learned how to protect myself and I learned how to 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 trust myself to trust my instincts and i really just got to learn things um through experience and it makes me really appreciate life as a whole is that there's more to life than our usual routine of like just being employed get paid and yeah so um i'm really just looking forward after this pandemic that i get to travel um again and i hope Uh, I'll be able to visit um, um, new places, new countries from other continents. So, yeah, so traveling is very humbling and very important for me. So you've been on a traveling hiatus since COVID. What's yes. the first country you're going to visit now once you're able to? Um, not sure. I would really love to visit Europe, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah because problem um you know i'm um, coming from a third world country um we are only limited to a visit uh, only a few list of countries visa free and obtaining visa is quite difficult and and uh, as well as expensive for us so i usually mm-hmm. travel to countries first in which um i get to visit it um visa uh, visa free so mostly in asia um yes uh, uh, southeast asia in particular okay Well, uh, okay, so shifting gears a little bit mm-hmm. to science. So y- you've been a former professor of physics. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you feel the general public should know about this subject that will help them better understand their relationship to the world? I mean, no, um, they think about, like, for example, physics or science as a whole, as just as I know, uh, you know, in my country, Um, science does not get that much attention and they are not taken um, seriously because, you know, people, uh, you know, people from um, living in a third world country, they just uh, find means and on they, or they just focus more on how to survive um, everyday life or making um, ends meet. So science is really underappreciated in our country, but, you know, physics is just a body of knowledge. in which um, um, we uh, really helps in, in improving the quality of life. So if they just really appreciate science and know this importance of, of physics, they might also appreciate how science actually were able to improve um, our, um, our quality of life. You know, mm-hmm. you, it might not be really like literally, it's like because we have this like saying or a mentality here that, Why study math uh, or calculus? I could not use it in, uh, let's say, in everyday living. I yeah. I, I don't yeah. go to market and ask for, let's say, I want a an in a, a use. You, you don't use calculus when you buy something off from yeah. the market, right? Yeah. So they, they have this kind of mentality or joke that they were saying around that. Uh, I'm not gonna use this after, after I gra- graduated. But you know, yeah. studying math, for example, um. 
it's more on on the training um mentally For, because you know math does not teach us to let's say breathe oxygen and exhale carbon dioxide or something yeah. it might not teach us how to um to do practical things but you know what really math or physics taught me is that for every problem um that you are faced there is a solution to it so that really um strikes me and made me appreciate it's that you can't literally uh you just use it literally but you know um the training that you have may somehow changes you and somehow changes um the way you think and see life and approach life as well yeah that's it kind of mirrors uh something i talked to uh someone else in physics in germany mm-hmm. and he said that like studying and learning about physics teaches you how to think yeah yeah critical thinking yeah so i guess um that also really helped me being organized and listing things when i travel because um in physics we are um trained to do researches readings and yeah read data acquire data so i think uh, that also helped me um i also developed these practical life skills yeah um that i applied into um to a different aspects as well yeah So then how do you move from physics to nuclear energy? Yeah, um physics uh nuclear energy is also based in physics so it's just one yeah. of the specialization in physics so it was not really a big transition for me moving into it so it's more on the optical uh practical application of okay. of physics and that is interesting. But um yeah so You know when when I was working as a professor I really loved working in in teaching students because you were able to meet these new students a routine job in which um you do the same thing over and over again every day for years of your life because every semester every year I meet new students I know their stories and just inspiring mm-hmm. them is is just really um um how do I describe you know you can't really describe uh this in words that you were able to help students to guide them to be uh professionals or to be um to be successful but when i got this opportunity also to study in in korea uh, that specializes in um, nuclear engineering i think because i don't want to get st- stuck um in a rural place because you know You, you can't just uh, be in your comfort zone for all of your life like you have mm-hmm. to take risk because you uh, there there are rewards for stepping out of your comfort zone so i actually really took risk into leaving my job like um and to pursue um this engineering and like you know i have i literally quit my job it's like after i um like after i study i have no job waiting for me but mm-hmm. i guess that once you really just work um hard or you just have discipline you can like opportunities will just um come to you and i think it's just with the proper mindset um discipline and and hard work yeah that's very well said oh, thank you um so something i'm curious about is like i'm curious about the 21st century and like moving forward and like energy is going to be 
I mean, everything is powered by electricity and it's like, how do we, or like everything uses electricity. Like how do we then create that energy and what does the outlook of nuclear energy look like this century and how does it compare to other energy sources like hydro, wind, solar, and uh, I guess older forms like coal? Mm -hmm. So let me just, uh, we might just get technical <laughs> on this discussion, but I'll Let's try to, uh, to, to explain it in layman's term. So, you know, um, uh, with, in with the increasing population, we have increasing energy demands. And with the effects of this war between Russia and Ukraine, actually um, countries, un um, developing countries or third world countries are the most affected. And we are the most vulnerable, for example, uh, for the past two weeks, um, gasoline prices went really skyrocketed here. Um, let's say half a dollar uh, per liter of gasoline for, mm -hmm. for the past two weeks. And that is really, it's just more than half of the usual price of gasoline. So, so imagine how re it really affects um, people here in our, in our country. And I think... One way to solve this one is to find alternative sources of energy and not really just um, depend on these conventional oil and petroleum sources. And that's where nuclear energy comes into. Um, nuclear energy, you know, comes from the, the fission of atoms. And one good thing about nuclear energy is really, it is really large scale. It can really produce huge amounts of energy using a small amount of material. So... Um, comparing to uh, to the other sources, especially like renewables, the problem with renewables is they are not really reliable. For example, like solar, if it's nighttime or if it is raining, you cannot generate electricity uh, with with solar panels. If there are no, if there's no wind, you cannot generate electricity through um, wind turbines, and um, comparing these other sources of, en of electricity, nuclear actually has the highest capacity factor. It's around 94%. It, it means that actually capacity factor di um, dictates or dictates um, how the uh, a generating station produces electricity. So if it has a capacity factor of 94%, it means that the nuclear power plant is operating maximum power 94% of the time. So in every 100 days, let's say it, um, it generates electricity full power for 94 straight days compared to solar, that's only 20% or 30% or, 30 for wind. So imagine um, solar is not really re reliable and yeah. it does not work in, in all weather conditions as well as like hydro or or wind. So I think um, countries, I guess, should really um, consider into uh, putting nuclear as part of their energy mix. And also nuclear is a clean form of energy, like no zero greenhouse gas emission during operation. And yeah, it's just, um, it's just nuclear has just this um, negative image due to like accidents in Chernobyl and in Fukushima. And I, I, I just think Personally, I think the word nuclear has this negative connotation. Uh, when they hear the, the, the word nuclear, people are thinking about bombs or cancer, but nuclear is, is not really bad at all. So 
Yeah, that's why um, I'm really passionate about this uh, promoting um, nuclear energy, especially in our country, since we are really experiencing the effects of high um, gasoline and petroleum prices. So we actually in the government are really working hard to um, um, for people to accept and support um, nuclear energy. And I think that's the first step to, for a successful nuclear energy program in the country. Yeah, so that's it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's my question is kind of like, so, so why why isn't nuclear energy used more? Is it because of the stigma of it? Yes, yes, I guess. But, but you know, if if you have to think like um, developed countries like USA, South Korea, France, um, Germany, UK, they all have nuclear. So it's really because for a country to be striving economically, you have you really need to have a huge amount of energy for you for the country to industrialize. So yeah, I think the only downside of nuclear is the stigma of people just thinking the negative, um, they just have this negative campaigning against nuclear energy, especially environmentalists. I don't understand some envi- environmentalists, they, they don't support, they want clean energy, but they don't support nuclear energy. But you just you said before that it is a clean energy, right? Yeah, it is a clean. It is clean energy. What what are the risks of nuclear energy? Um, risk. I think it's more on on uh, the security. You know, um, uh, when I was studying in Korea uh, for nuclear energy, our campus or our university is actually located inside a nuclear power plant complex. So outside. <laughs> of our school there are around 10 nuclear power plants surrounding our school so imagine and the personnel actually um guarding those stations are military are yeah. military from korea they are just not like the police or private um, um security personnel, but they are military because they know that for example in terrorist attacks um enemies are really targeting uh nuclear energy because of this release of of radiation so it's more on security but you know if you really uh, review technical papers um, nuclear energy has um, has a tantamount amount of uh, safety systems like active and passive safety systems and um, yeah the world is evolving policies are evolving to make it more safer and so that uh, people would not really fear about this radiation breakout and radiation um, fallout from nuclear plants. Where do you think we'll be energy-wise in like 10 and then 20 years from now? Um, actually, countries are acknowledging that uh, the supply of petroleum is running out. You know, yeah. United Arab Emirates uh, is one of the countries that produces oil. They actually built nuclear nuclear power plant. They ordered for nuclear plants from Korea. So if a country that produces oil builds a nuclear plant, there might be some implications about it because they acknowledge that their supply of, of petroleum would run out in the next, uh, let's say, decade or in the next few years. So they actually need to find an alternative source of energy that, that has a huge power load because, um, you know, in UAA, they have Dubai, they have Abu Dhabi. These are very huge 
city and they really need um huge amount of power to um to power to power those city that's why they actually explored in nuclear energy and they invested on nuclear energy and i think uh, other countries should acknowledge this one and yeah and see you uh, the united arab emirates as um, a case study in which um, imagine a country with having rich amount of oil is considering nuclear already hmm. uh is energy storage and the moving of that storage of energy um, an issue within like uh, the industry of energy? Like as far as like renewable goes, I I think I've learned that it's hard to like store it and then like move it. Mm-hmm. Is that is that ring true? And like, um, is there a way you're talking about like you UAE building power plants, but can countries then like have nuclear power and then just ship and transfer that energy to other places? Uh, no, um, you cannot really uh, shift or transfer or store energy um, from power plants unless you do like this huge uh, huge batteries or um, energy storage but you know just like in any other power plants once you generate electricity you have to use it right away okay mm-hmm. so the batteries do you see batteries in the 21st century improving astronomically yeah because of the actually, demand yeah yeah uh, of this energy storage actually researchers there are more researchers now in energy storage and some of my colleagues are actually working on um on improving uh, quality of uh, and efficiency of these um, energy storage batteries, as well as the scalability of these batteries. So they want to make um, like large scale uh, batteries for energy storage. How long? How long do you think we see like dramatic impact from that type of innovation? Um, I think looking at the, the past five years, it's already. Um, dramatically um, different uh, scenario for, from um, um, than what we currently have right now. So I think in five or ten years more, we have we could really have good um, products and in where they can really market this one, um, the energy storage uh, batteries, large kits. Wow. So let's say ten years from now. So. So uh, that's what I'm always uh, like telling people that they, especially here, like they should somehow appreciate what uh, people with science backgrounds do because it's also for the, for their quality of life of the general population. Yeah. Yeah. The more I learn, the more like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like excited, and, like blown away by uh, the technology and, and the, the pace that it's moving because it's, it's like compounding. You said the last five years, right? Uh-huh. But the next five years will be like, like triple the, yeah, you know, like uh, developments of the last yeah. five years. It yeah, just keeps imagine, getting more and more. Yeah, imagine like the smartphones. Imagine what are the, what the phones looked like in just five years ago or ten years yeah. ago. Yeah, 
and what we have now is very advanced. So I think that the same thing would happen for um, energy storage because it's really in demand right now. Yeah. So then living, living and traveling around Southeast Asia mm. and working in energy, what, what three things excite you about the future? Mm. Well, that, that's a quite difficult question to answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, I'm just more on, like personally, uh, my philosophy is that, um, wow. Well, I, I don't know how to answer that question. It's a bold like, question. Yeah. Like, personally, I don't really think about the future. I'm just more focused on what I have right now in the present. Yeah. Because, you know, you can't really know the future and you can't really prepare what the future could bring you. For example, like me before, I set plans like in 10 years, I should be working here. I should have these things. I should have that. I but nothing really happens. Like the universe would always have a different plan for you. Just yeah. like, just live your life. You cannot really, really design your life. Just live your life and it will just design itself. So that's just my, <laughs> that's just my philosophy in life. So I don't really think much about the, uh, the thought, the future. It's just like, I'm enjoying what I do have right now and appreciate um, uh, things that I have right now. Yeah, that's a great outlook. Um, well, shifting gears, I kind of have like three, three questions left for you, okay. uh, that I'm curious about. And that's what, what do I miss? What three musical artists are in your heavy rotation right now? Oh, um, the Beatles. Okay. Yeah. I'm kind of, um, listening to old school music right now. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not really saying that, um, that music nowadays is not is, is bad it's just personally i, in, I enjoy uh, music back then it's more of they just their lyrics are more meaningful and they have stories uh, in their songs so the beatles um also mariah you, you know mariah Carey. oh yeah who doesn't yeah yeah. yeah and yeah old school music like aretha um contemporary bands as well like um keen Amy Winehouse, you took Coldplay, like anything. Like I don't have any specific artists as long as I yeah. really like their music. But mostly all uh, music from the nineties, eighties, uh, and seventies as well. Like Ita, Ita J, Ita James, and Aretha, yeah, Aretha, Al Green, and just <laughs> soul, soul music. It's all yeah, it's so like, it's all over the place. Relaxing. But sometimes it depends on yeah yeah it, it's but sometimes it depends on my mood. Um, there are days when I want to listen to like disco music or or pop music or Korean music, Korean pop. So yeah, yeah, definitely um, depends on my mood. Uh, what the Beatles are my favorite band. So yeah. like <laughs> I I love the Beatles. We got. Let's see. We got a Beatles book right here. We got a wow. John. We have two John Lennon books. Wow. We got a Paul McCartney over there. We got um, Revolution in the Head, I think, is my mm -hmm. favorite book on the Beatles. It talks about the correlation between the 1960s mm -hmm. uh, 
in the United States, especially, and the career arc of the Beatles and how like interconnected they are. I love that book. Um, what's your favorite album by the Beatles? And who's your favorite Beatle? Yeah, obviously it's it's Paul McCartney. <laughs> oh, it's obvious. It, yeah, it, and I, I mean, I like personally because he mostly do all of the singing, but um, all of them are really great. And I just want to share this: like when I had my first job, when I received my first salary, um, the first thing that I bought was a Beatles T-shirt. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So because during university, I started listening to their music. Wow. Do you have a favorite album? I'm not really familiar uh, with their album's name, but because I just have this um, one folder of music. I, I just got it from my okay. roommate in in the dormitory. It's like, okay. like, can I just copy some of your music and just in this one uh, one folder, a hundred songs from the, from the Beatles. And when I started listening, oh, it's yeah. like, wow, this is really good. So yeah, I, I'm not really like sure okay. about uh, the name of the albums, but I know some of their songs. Lot, lots of their songs. <laughs> they, yeah, they have a quite extensive catalog, yeah. high quality extensive catalog. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you listen to music? Do you like? I use Spotify. Do you use a like an app, or how do you do it? Um, you know, I, I'm 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 a cheap persons like i don't really pay for things that i could get for free yeah. and people are really laughing <laughs> about <laughs> like i don't have netflix because like i can just watch uh, uh like movies and other websites for free i don't have spotify because i can just download music from online yeah. so just you know just download online um music from online and just like syncing it to my phone and just, yeah. you know, sometimes to my ipod Nice. Yeah, sorry um, for being cheap, but that, that's just me. <laughs> hey, I appreciate the honesty. I, I appreciate the resourcefulness too. Yeah, because um, you know, living again in in rural area and growing up in rural area, you know, every um centavo really really counts. So yeah. you really know how to spend your money well because of this lack of um, resources you just really need to be again to to be resourceful in everything you do yeah who or what are three people or things that have influenced your outlook on life whether people books films art mediums um not i don't um, I can't think of specific people, but I think every time really I travel, it somehow changes my outlook in life. Mm -hmm. So, if, for example, if I visit a certain country, I learn things about the people and it sometimes changes. It, it really changes me. Like every time I travel, I'm not the same person uh, that, that left the country and that returned the country. So I'm wow. somehow, yeah, I, I'm really, I'm somehow changed. Like for example, when I went to, to Korea, it was really a humbling experience because my professors there, uh, my professors, for example, they are they, they graduated with PhDs from um, from universities in the US. They don't and they don't really brag their titles. For example, when I submitted one report, I put uh, my professor's name and like comma PhD, and he asked me to erase that PhD because he just wants 
his name to be on his paper. He doesn't yeah. want he doesn't want people to look at you based on your title, based on your position. So you just want people to look at him as him as himself, and that really really strikes me. And I somehow uh, applied about it one. I'm yeah. I I, I try to be um, humble um, as as possible because I'm not. Um, I don't think that I am greater than anybody or my profession or their profession profession is less than mine. So I'm just. Yeah, it's just really a humbling experience traveling. So I hope, I really hope people also experience that that as well. That uh, that life changing, um, experience. So yeah. So I don't really have specific people, books, or <laughs> movies in life that somehow you have experiences uh, which are yes, quite I have better. <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right. So my last question for you: What are you curious about recently? Uh, I don't know, like just studying physics and, you know, there's a saying that the more you know, the less you think you know. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Yeah, and that made me question about a lot of things. And I think just the, the vastness of, of space and the more I learned about the universe, like universe is really big. And if you look at Earth, it's just, a really small force. It's not even a small force. It's like just a sand, uh, yeah. a, a speck of uh, of sand. And it made me question if there are also uh, other universes with uh, people living in, living in them, or or in just parallel universes. It's just uh, I just want to know if are we really alone in this universe or not? Because looking at the the hugeness of universe you you can really ask that one that maybe we are not we are not alone and earth is just like a very small part of the universe and that really makes me curious so i hope in this lifetime uh we will be able to get answers to that (laughs) yeah i was just about to ask you if you thought in our lifetimes if we'll Mm -hmm. get an answer to that yeah and one thing that I, i want to share is that I learned in other cultures, uh, for example, in Southeast Asia, they really believe in reincarnation. Okay. Yeah, it's like um, when we are, uh, I'm talking with some locals, they might mention that maybe I was this person in my previous life, or they are also curious what would they be in their future life. And, and, Living in in my in Philippines, like uh, we don't really have that much kind of uh, mentality. Maybe because of like religion, they are more on the Buddhist and philosophical, and we are more on the um, Christian, yeah, um, Christian side. So that thing is also really interesting for me. Like people believe do believe in reincarnation, and may, maybe I somehow I somehow believe in that because there are you know that some deja vu moments that you have that you just can't really explain maybe that that really happened in your in your previous life and you're just having just a glimpse of it and that's why you have this deja vu uh feeling or experience yeah it's pretty wild isn't it Uh yeah it just makes me think like there's really more more about life (laughs) yeah yeah it's very well said um 
Well, Gino, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, thank you also for um, inviting me. You know, I really love to share my experiences um, to people, even, even to my friends. Um, I, I just really love um, sharing uh, experiences and I hope um, other people can also have the, sh- the same experiences or the same joy of traveling and really exploring the world. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Rich Conversations. Again, you can follow Gino on Instagram at markgino21. Take the rest of your time to think about how different experiences have shaped your perspective and have expanded your worldview. Think about how you can put yourself again in those same situations to meet people, to experience different ideas, and then to implement them into your own life. It's exciting. And on that note, have a great rest of your day.